0: The Wealth Standard Podcast is committed to inspiring you to be more financially free. There is no better time to gain clarity about your wealth strategy, your investments, and your financial future than now.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Patrick. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. It consists of a daily review of my experience at the Tony Robbins Business Mastery, which is a multi day seminar, which took place in warm, sunny, green, palm tree dotted Palm Beach, Florida. It was pretty amazing. Now I'm back here in the winter, which is all good. Beauty in the winter, beauty in the summer. But listen, it was an awesome event. And I know you guys are going to get a lot out of each of these episodes. Thank you for the support. Thank you for being here and expanding your knowledge of investment. I know it's going to make a difference. It just takes one or two decisions, one or two new thoughts to completely transform your life, making wise choices with your investments and your overall wealth strategy, that second business that you should be participating in in order to balance your efforts as an entrepreneur, a small business owner, a professional. It's important to know know how to characterize investments, know how to ask the right questions. So I'm gonna get into all of that in these episodes. You guys are gonna get a lot out of it. In addition, one of my final invites to the Unleash the Power Within, the UPW event that Tony puts on as like his introductory event, in San Jose, California. That's going to be in March. All the details of that invite are going to be in the show notes on the thewellstandard.com. You can reach out to my man, Jeff, at the Tony Robbins Institute. I got a crazy discount for you guys. I don't get any benefit from this whatsoever, but there's an incredible discount based on my relationship with the membership that I have with Tony's group. So take advantage of it. It'll change your life. It's just one thought, one decision, one idea that separates you between where you're at now and, and what you can become. And I know that these are the environments in which that can take place. So definitely look into that. And if you can make it happen, I'd love to see you there. I'm going to come with my 13-year-old daughter, most likely, and allow her to give her that gift, give her that experience. I think it'll be life-changing for her. Now let's get to the actual content and my daily reviews. Thanks again, guys. Bye. Hey, everyone. This is Patrick. I'm going to do a overview of my experience on day one of Tony Robbins' Business Mastery. Down here in Palm Beach, Florida, it's beautiful, especially given uh, winter weather in other parts of of the country, but we're inside the entire day and it's uh, probably colder in there than it is in most parts of the United States during the winter. But regardless, this is an event that I've really enjoyed. I've gone to it a couple of times in the past, but Tony always brings new information, new speakers, and is really keeping up with how society is evolving, especially when it comes to business So I look at Business Mastery and associate with his drive to empower people. And I believe that business is just an incredible idea and especially how people work together to bring ideas into reality. Tony really talks through his experiences, the experiences of businesses he's been a part of, but also has evaluated in order to extract some of the things that business owners as they're in business, as they're continuing to innovate can use to continually progress and grow. So I look at, you know, really what this has to do with our theme this year, which is investment, specifically atypical investment. And the correlation that I'm making is the fact that all investment is ultimately a business. It's a a set of systems. And so I'm just gonna go through my note and kind of review some of the main points that I took away from day one. Like I said in the introduction, I'm gonna go day by day kind of going through each of the main bullet points And the lessons that I took. Uh, So the first is I believe that successful investment is a result of successful business. And if you really look at the last several years, there's been tons of disruption when it comes to, I would say, businesses that, that could have been categorized as perennial, those that are lasting generation after generation after generation. Some of the examples he used was Hilton and Airbnb. Right. So Hilton has history, they have thousand or so or a million or so rooms across the world and are valued at a certain amount, I think it's like $25 billion or something like that. But then Airbnb came in and disrupted that market and provided better results, better service, and own no rooms and just essentially facilitate a, a platform, a technology platform. And they're valued at, I think, like $35 or $40 billion. So the idea there is really when it comes to businesses that have been around for a long time, if they're not continually innovating Continually figuring out what their clients or customers need and giving them what they need, making it more convenient, making it cheaper. Then that's when they're ripe for disruption. And then the statistic that correlates to that is that 96% of businesses fail in 10 years, in a 10 year period of time. So that's really again, indicative of successful investments. So even in companies or investments that have been around for decades, generations, they're still susceptible to failure, even new businesses. So it makes the analysis really important when it comes to knowing what you're putting money into, knowing the business, knowing the investment that you're making. So that's the first thing. The the other is successful business is 80% psychology and 20% mechanics. I think most people focus, really comes to business. Most people in business focus on the value of their service, the value of their product. And they're always trying to improve that. However, a big piece that is really ingrained in this seminar is essentially focusing on the customer, focusing all your efforts there as opposed to the actual product and service. Because customer tastes, customer demands, customer needs are continually changing and evolving. And for businesses to continue to provide value to those customers and be successful, they have to find new ways to provide value to meet those customers, meet those clients' needs. I look at one thing they introduced on day one, but they're gonna go into it in a lot more detail as the days go on, which is the life cycle of business. You also look at the different seasons that exist in the business cycle. And Tony for several years has been talking about winter coming. Obviously with seasons, you have you have winter, which is essentially the death of things, the destruction of things, but then you have spring, which is the sprouting of new things then you have summer, then you have fall, which is harvest reaping the rewards. Right now, I think we're in a period of, of harvest. We're in a fall season, which is typically followed by a winter. The timing is what is the challenge. And obviously we've been in the biggest bull market in history and looking at whether it's the president or whether it's the involvement of a central bank, the federal reserve in the economy, things have just continued to prolong, continue to grow. So the question really becomes, when is winter? And nobody's really able to time that perfectly. However, you can look at the past and see signals. And there's definitely lots of signals when it comes to winter being on on the horizon. But it comes down to the question of when. Some of the statistics that I pulled away to really indicate some of those adjustments, changes, whether it's winter, I think there's definitely transition happening in the world. First and foremost, you look at the generations, the baby boomer generation and how they are involved heavily in politics, in business, and they are really in their 60s and mid-70s at this point, and they're going to be retiring. They're going to be letting their business go. There's statistics that he used, which is 87% of businesses that were the founder of that business are not going to continue past their death. So I look at the transition in business, but I also look at the amount of money, the wealth transfer that's going to take place between now and the next 10 years, the tens of trillions of dollars is going to go in from the hands of baby boomers who invest in certain things, they do certain things with that money and that wealth to a new younger generation who are doing completely different things with money and they have different interests. So I think that's going to create a different set of demand and there's now going to be money behind that demand. So I think that's an interesting thing to Pay attention to, but you also have emerging markets. You have Africa coming online, where they've created per capita more millionaires and billionaires than any other part of the world. Then you have the Middle East, despite the stigma that's attached to it, is also has a, a rising generation that are interested in Western things and are going to be demanding whether it's products, services, et cetera. So that's something that's interesting to, to pay attention to. And I'll probably end with I'll just end with a few things, especially as you pay attention to investment. Hopefully you guys are kind of seeing the theme here with the correlation between investment and business, which is successful business or successful investment is because of successful business and successful business is one that is really in love with uh, their customer, not their product and service. And they're always figuring out better ways to meet their customer, meet their client needs and are adapting and innovating to do that. This is an example that I shared last season regarding one of the exercises Tony does with purses and he does it with cars as well. But I'll do the purse example. He has the audience, the female audience, give him purses, right? He's using it as an example. So he has ladies like raise their purse and he goes around and he picks really expensive purses. Then he picks kind of middle of the road purses that look nice. Then he picks really cheap purses. And the principle is not to say that one is worse or better than the other. It's that certain clients, certain customers have different needs, different tastes, different things they want out of those bags. And you look at Louis Vuitton versus bag from Target, the one that purchases it from Target is looking for efficiency. That's their specific need. But If you look at the margin in regards to that business, it's smaller than the margin of Louis Vuitton. I would say the difference in making the actual bag itself, the manufacturing costs, Are going to be in a very similar range. However, the margin between the actual cost and what it's sold for is hugely different. Louis Vuitton bag selling for thousands and thousands of dollars, a Target bag usually selling for under $100. And the lesson there, the principle there is really understanding your client, understanding what they need, building a brand behind that. And I think Louis Vuitton and some of these higher level Prada bags, you know, these luxury bags or luxury clothing lines have established brand and subsequently margin. I think that's also really important to uh, to understand. Not to say that Target isn't profitable because Target doesn't just make bags. They do a lot of other things. And I think they have a really cool business model in a sense. And now they're partnered with Disney. So I think you know just really looking at how businesses are un- trying to continually understand their clients and meet those customers meet those client needs is very important when you're weighing decision of what to invest in. Okay, that's all that I have for today. Tomorrow, we'll bring some new uh, content and takeaways. So stick with me until then. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Patrick. We are now past day two of Business Mastery, one of Tony Robbins' events here in Southern Florida. And day two was pretty awesome. And so as I went back and I looked at the main things I took away, tried to extract again the information that's relevant to investment. There's a few things. The the day was very much about personal development and about business itself, your business, enterprise, and so as far as investing is concerned, I had to kind of look for some of those nuggets. Uh, but the first one is a a quote that Tony had, which I really liked. It says, "Wealth is the ability to master the mind." And I looked at this and saw the relevance to not just business but also investing where really understanding yourself, understanding your strengths, understanding how you respond to things, and then you know, especially your patterns, the emotional way you react to certain things, I think understanding yourself more allows you to make better decisions. And if you really look at it, ultimately, things, as I've talked about in the podcast for years, things don't ultimately create, or even circumstances, create the level of happiness and fulfillment that most people are seeking. I think it's a kind of a hallucination, if you will, to think that once this happens, then I'll be happy. Once this happens, then I'll feel successful. Once this happens, then that. And, and I believe it's the other way around. It's really the, the state of mind that we're seeking and that state of mind can be accessed. And so I think really understanding our mind, both, I would say, conscious and subconscious, is paramount to really becoming what we're after, which is, I would say, a wealthy mindset. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, the idea of the zone of maximization. So I really do think that this is important to understand. So Tony has this description of a business as it pertains to a life cycle. So in a life cycle, just of life in general, you have birth and you have being a toddler, then you have being a teenager and then young adult, and then the prime of life. So you can imagine the different struggles that human beings go through at those different stages. There are similar struggles when it comes to a business in those stages. And the idea, right, is to get to the zone of maximization. That's where I would say business really starts to thrive. But then you also have the perennial businesses, which maintain the ability to innovate and market to their customers and continually discover needs and find better ways of meeting those needs. So when you're looking at investment, when you're looking at the actual underlying company, I think sometimes it's really valuable to know where they're at in the life cycle. So I'll give you some nuggets as far as the zone of maximization is concerned. So in that zone, you're going to see a professional leadership. It's not somebody becoming a leader. It's not someone that's trying to figure out their position. It's someone that's been there and done that. Second is systems. There's a quote that I love, which is systemize the predictable so you can humanize the exceptional. I think that applies to most businesses. And so having systems allows you to systematize the predictable, have things done the same way over and over again. So there can be focus of human effort in the most important areas. Third thing is culture. And so it's the culture really representing the brand and bringing that message to the specific customers. When you're in the zone, you also have growing revenue, but also growing profit. Sometimes those younger stages, You have lots of growing revenue, but you don't necessarily have profit. And finally, there's a passion for the customer or meeting customer needs. And I think that's hugely important to identify because that really keeps the business thriving, innovating, constantly figuring out ways to discover better ways to meet customer needs. Finally, as I mentioned, innovation in marketing. These are ingredients. And as you can imagine, if you bake a cake and you forget the flour or you forget the salt or you forget the sugar... It doesn't matter what the other ingredients are. It's not going to taste good. And so you look at the ingredients of the zone of maximization and it's really important to identify those. So again, the ingredients are professional leadership, systems, culture, revenue up, profit up, growing, passion, and then innovation and marketing. A few more things. One is there was a gentleman that stood up and made the comment of, why did you fail? Why weren't you able to achieve? And it was essentially that the person I hired or the group that I hired, the company that I hired. I trusted them and they failed me. So it was the difference between delegation and leverage. And I thought this was really, really interesting. And sometimes you really have leverage as part of like a financial transaction, but I think it means something different here. So delegation is when you trust somebody else to do something. And I think that's in large part what the United States does from an investment standpoint. They delegate the responsibility to grow wealth to an institution or to an individual. Whereas leverage is different. Leverage is, first and foremost, knowing what your end result is and being able to articulate that and then having enough knowledge to ask the right questions and to have high levels of accountability. And so being able to leverage others, leverage financial advisors, leverage investment providers, you have to articulate what the end result is that you want and ensure that that aligns with the actual underlying purpose of the investment. When it comes to a relationship that you have with an investment provider, it's understanding the leadership inside of you, which is the ability to influence the individual that you are, in essence, partnering with. So, And that requires, I would say, them understanding what the end result you want is, as well as accountability along the way. Final thing I'll end with is, and this is what I would say, definitely applies to investment, which is overcoming fear, right? It's uh, handling anxiety. And so Tony has five steps that he uses to overcome fear. First step is daily feed your mind with good information. Feed the animal, feed the person you want to show up in your life, not feed the one that you don't. Second is strengthen your body. Do something every day to challenge yourself. Do something that's going to push you beyond the limitations of the day before. Third is immersion in a role model, seeing somebody that has been in the shoes that you want to be in and immersing yourself in their life and how they experience things, how they do things. Fourth is proximity is power. Proximity is power, in essence, means to be around individuals, being in an environment that's going to challenge you, that's going to get you to think differently. It's to connect with people that are going to help facilitate the results that you help facilitate the results that you want. And finally, it's to give more than you expect to receive. And if you do that, then you'll never lack abundance. And again, I would say fear and faith can't exist in the same mind at the same time. I also believe that when you do give, when you contribute to somebody else, the result of that is worth more than any dollar amount that can give you. And ultimately, Tony's famous saying is the secret to living is giving. Okay, with that being said, day two is over. We're on to day three. Luckily, we don't have to be outside in the rain, but uh, excited to come back with you in uh, uh, for day three recap. I'm sure we're going to get through some, some pretty awesome stuff today. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, see you next time. Bye. Hey, what's up, everyone? All right, so I'm going to do a recap of day three. We're actually about to start day four, but wanted to get just my thoughts out. This day was interesting. If you guys have been to events before, there are a lot of interventions and so this is where tony robbins will engage directly with one of the participants and work through their business challenges ultimately everything comes out to be like a personal challenge pretty fascinating how intertwined everything is there's a speaker that has been with tony for several years and that's what i wanted to focus on today he's actually going to do a second session this morning with even more details and there's a whole other like business mastery convention that happens in Europe every year, a second one, kind of a follow-up to this, where they go even deeper. It's actually really, really awesome. But Keith Cunningham is the one that I'm going to cover. And specifically, just some of the things he covered yesterday is, that I felt were important and relevant to investment. So the first thing he, well, let me give some background on Keith. Keith is a, is an older gentleman. He was actually partners with Robert Kiyosaki and kicking off, uh, and Sharon Lecter and kicking off Rich Dad Poor Dad. He's been around for a long time, but he's been speaking with Tony for a really long time. So if you haven't picked up any of Keith's books, they're really good. The most recent one, The Road Less Stupid, is an amazing, amazing read. And he also has like a really, <laughs> really comedic personality. And he's from Texas too. So it's kind of the old gray guy, Texas accent, but just he's just a good, uh, good natured guy. So it's interesting. He has some really cool sayings. But let me get into the, the things I learned. So first off, He goes through the three primary ways every business or investment failure boils down to, which is number one, excessive optimism, number two, bad assumptions, and then number three, ignored risks. And the idea is to learn how to understand the game of investing, investing, the game of wealth, the, the game of business. And avoid the emotional inclination to the end result, uh, which is usually either a loss, fear, more loss, or gain, which is greed. Again, going to the book he wrote, the key to wealth is to avoid doing stupid things. So it makes more sense, but it's also really funny. This is, I want to get into really how he goes about understanding the optics of a business, the optics of an investment. I think they're one and the same in a sense and he associates it to dials on an airplane. So these are are known as more of the facts. And so if you look at what most individuals are doing when they're analyzing an opportunity, they're telling themselves a story, right? If you think about like the lottery effect, most people just dream about, wow, if I won the lottery, then this would happen. And I'd be able to buy this and this and this and this. So there's this story, this fictional story that starts to play in our mind as far as the end result of Achieving wealth and investment, paying off, being able to retire, being able to be financially free. But then there are the facts and you have to use the facts as the basis for decisions as opposed to the, the emotions of it. So he talks about the dials on an airplane and there's uh, three primary dials in business. I'm not going to get into the details of these today, but the first one is a balance sheet, understanding what a balance sheet is, assets and liabilities, how to read a balance sheet. The second is an income statement, which is basically income minus expenses. And then the third is a statement of cash flows. This is what ultimately is what business owners are about because an income statement is he calls it, it's not a reality, right? He essentially calls it theory. And as you look at reality, what business owners are about is cash. It's having operational cash as he puts it. So that's where understanding all three statements, especially when it comes to a business or an investment if there's profitability but no cash then they can't pay out a return. <laughs> so, understanding these three, you know, these three dials is is vital. The last thing I'll use to describe understanding the language of business and how Keith puts it, which is you can't play a game unless you understand the rules, is he uses a really funny story and tells it every single time I've heard him speak. A funny story about cricket, the game of cricket. And in cricket, for North America, it's not a sport that we are familiar with. I think we all understand kind of what it looks like, but as far as like the rules, the language, we have no clue. And so he goes through the different, <laughs> the different terms. I'll give a few, the wicker keeper, the slip going out for a duck, a golden duck bowled over a maiden, a frog and rubbing the seam or rubbed a seam. And he makes a pretty crude joke, as you can imagine, with rubbing the seam in a very Texas old guy way, which is pretty hilarious. But anyway, the idea is that there's a language in business or there's a language in investing. And if you don't understand the language, you can't play the game. So that's a really important piece. And so the dials is one thing, but then the language of business is another. And the language of accounting really boils down to the facts, not the opinions or the theories. So understanding the facts, being able to analyze the facts allows you to make a more prudent decision. A saying too that I think definitely applies to invest, successful investment or unsuccessful investment is those that don't measure don't want to be held accountable. That's it, I'll leave it at that. I think that was a really good overview of some of the financial things that I learned here at Business Mastery. There was some more kind of theoretical, philosophical things and leadership principles that I learned, but I'll probably save that either to for tomorrow or just the recap of the event in general when I meet with, when I probably do a joint podcast with one of my people on my executive team, Dan, who's, uh, who's here with me. Okay, that's it. Thank you guys for tuning into this day's recap and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Hey, what's up everyone? This is Patrick. I'm going to do the wrap-up episode to Business Mastery. First, I want to celebrate the fact that you're here. It says a lot about you and what you want for your life. Someone that takes time to listen and to learn is the person that achieves what they're after. And, and I know in a sense what you're after, I think it's what most people are after. And the experience this week and understanding business principles, business acumen, it does relate to investment. And I believe that it really relates to what we're all after, which is this idea of living a fulfilling life, a meaningful life. And I know it sounds somewhat superficial and cloudy, and Meta at the same time, it just continues to echo through these conferences, through my thoughts that there aren't these circumstances that align in your life, and somehow that creates your happiness and fulfillment. I believe that it's mindset and it's trained and understood before the actual material thing happens. And what's amazing is that that material thing happens a lot more quickly once you are able to go through and establish that sequence. First, understanding the mindset what you're really after and then experiencing it now, and then ultimately things align so that you are able to experience it in the physical world. I'm gonna continue to talk about this because I believe that the interviews that we're going to be conducting around investment, around how to to be a wise investor without a purpose, a very clearly defined purpose, it's not gonna matter how much money you have, it's not gonna matter how successful you are in business. If you understand that purpose, that is ultimately what people are after, it's the true sense of meaning. And I believe when you're able to discover what that is, it's not like you arrive at the finish line. There is an ongoing process to cultivate that, improve that, magnify that. It's a lifelong process. Continue to go there. I'll give you guys a a few nuggets from the last couple of days of Business Mastery. I would first say that I was really grateful to take one of my guys with me, Dan. He's been with me since the very beginning. We've gone through some ups and downs and we came closer as leaders in our company that I primarily work with, OWN, which is uh, Paradigm Life. But understanding him at a deeper level and vice versa, it really helped to see where we can make the biggest difference together. And so going there and experiencing that with a business partner or an executive or a team member, I think it's a profound experience to really get outside of your typical culture and, and really cultivate those relationships, those relationships that make the biggest difference to you. It was awesome. I would say that that's the first primary takeaway. But on the last couple of days, there's a few interesting things as it relates to investment. The first Keith Cunningham did his second part of his overall presentation, which is a few hours. I look at really what he's teaching and how that applies to what you are after. And I know you're probably telling yourself like, I don't need to understand accounting. I don't need to understand what I discussed the other day, the optics, which is balance sheet and income statement and and a statement of cash flows. I don't need to understand that in order to make a, a successful investment. And I get that. And I understand where you're coming from because I've been there. At the same time, I would say that the investors and people we work with that value our services and value this insight the most are the ones that have lost. It really comes down to not necessarily the investment being just something risky, you put your money into and it just didn't work out, right? It could have been like the best value proposition, ideal environment, ideal leadership team. But there are so many different factors within the economy and culture and society and legal they can throw it off kilter. And so really understanding not just a snapshot in time of what the optics are of a business or essentially an investment, then you're essentially placing more risk on your shoulders. So again, those three things that he talks about, the three pieces of paper to master those, he really hit it home by describing the Enron demise. So first off, again, the balance sheet, the income statement and the statement of cash flows, understanding those pieces of paper and how they relate to the health of a business. He talked about Enron, and for those of you who have been around a while, as far as investment is concerned, Enron in one year went from top of the world to bankrupt, and there was a tremendous amount of fraud behind the scenes. And there's a documentary, I believe it's on Netflix, which is I uh, can't remember the name of it. I think it might be The Smartest Guys in the Room. But anyway, what it did is it showed how the analysts, the Wall Street analysts, that were looking at this company and its health. What their recommendation would be, what their feedback would be, was started off when they're at their height, strong buy, definitely hold. This is a company that's going somewhere, blah, blah, blah. Then the price started to go down and the analysts were saying the same thing. Then it was cut in half. Analysts were saying the same thing, strong buy, definitely this is the best time to buy, best time to hold. They were looking at one piece of paper. They were looking at the income statement, which showed the profitability of the company from an accounting standpoint. But the price kept going down because the unloading was happening by those that understood all three pieces of paper. Because if you looked at the statement of cash flows, they were losing hand over fist in their market value. Ultimately, when it was going from I think eighty or ninety dollars a share at the top to like even two dollars and one dollar, analysts were still saying strong buy, strong buy. So anyway, sometimes when you rely on you know supposed experts and don't understand yourself, what you're looking at, it creates a tremendous amount of risk. So let me touch on a couple other things. Tony did go into the theory he has when it comes to your personal financial life. And I like how he looks at it as a second business. And the majority of people there is business mastery. So they're there because they owned a business. And as you establish your business, what happens often is there's so much opportunity in business that people will invest their assets invest their earnings invest their profits into the business because it's giving the highest rate of return but at the same time these other factors that are outside of the periphery of the business owner whether it's the economy society maybe the target demographic is no longer relevant but there's all sorts of factors that could put that business in jeopardy competition that comes up and so that's where Tony advocates having a second business and he calls his investment strategy and his personal wealth strategy, his second business. And he makes it really easy. He talks about asset allocation. It's very similar to what I talked about in Heads, I Win, Tails, You Lose, which is the hierarchy of wealth. But one thing that he he talks about is buckets. And there's a bucket that he mentions that I don't talk about often enough. And he has kind of your foundational tier, your growth bucket. And Tony advocates the use of a specifically designed insurance, which was cool to hear. You said that before, but these are like your secure safety assets. So I'm sorry, I said growth before, but it was where your safe assets, your foundational bucket. It recommends filling that up before you get into like alternative type of investments, which I don't necessarily agree wholeheartedly with, but we won't use this episode to debate that. I'll probably do that when I go to the finance seminar in a couple of weeks. He goes into the growth side of things and the growth is where you have you know your assets that are diversified and he believes in getting as many non-correlated assets as possible just kind of looking at kind of where economies go and how assets that are within kind of a correlated standpoint, the market can fluctuate in a very similar way. So it doesn't really matter how diversified you are. It goes through a lot of that, but I'm going to focus on the dream bucket. Dream bucket is something that I gloss over sometimes. And the dream bucket is more of setting money aside to do those things that give your life that meaning, the experiences that you can have. I've talked about in past episodes about how simply going on a vacation, doing something with your spouse or your significant other, or your family, essentially unplugging yourself from your normal routine, so healthy for that relationship. But yet, most people will save money as opposed to to invest in those type of experiences. I think that's really destructive because it takes away from the meaning of the investment in the first place. That's why it's important to identify your purpose, to identify the end result that you're looking for before. You actually start investing, beginning with the end in mind. So goes the, the famous saying by Stephen Covey. That's the idea behind he was talking about when it comes to the dream bucket, which is allocating money so that you can, you know, drive a nice car, live in a nice home, go on a nice vacation, and the and the list goes on. Now, obviously, it's a smaller, much smaller percentage than the money that you allocate toward your security bucket, your growth bucket. But I love how he looks at that. He makes it very, very simple. And the bucket approach is something that I talked about in Heads I Win, Tails You Lose. Very similar to to what Tony talks about. Okay, so that was another takeaway. That's going to be it. So I'll wrap up by saying this: There was actually a really cool end speaker that really impacted me, and he was on the East Coast, named as Jesse Itzler, and his wife is Sarah Blakely, the founder of, of Spanx. Uh, it's a billion dollar company that she owns one hundred percent and built it from scratch. It's an amazing story. But Jesse is just one of those kind of crazy, really driven guys. It was inspiring because. As he was talking about it, literally five minutes after he concluded his remarks is when all the notifications came out about Kobe Bryant. So it was that Sunday. He talked about looking back in his life and he wasn't gonna be satisfied with 80%. He wasn't gonna look back and and say, I'm glad I lived a mediocre average life. We're not about that. I think we get pulled into that sometimes. And as I've mentioned before, we're getting to this point in society where we're not going to have to do much at all. The technological advances, there's actually a couple companies that are in this incubator, this investing conference I'm going to, are going to change how much energy costs to literally nothing or very little. Transportation, entertainment. Oftentimes, you look at the glass half empty with regards to the conflict within countries, the other social issues that are going on, what's going on in Washington, D.C. I mean, we look. The news is plastered with negativity, but we live in an amazing place. We live in an amazing time and we're getting to the point technologically where, like I said, we're not going to have to do much to live a pretty good life. And that brings up a huge issue because, you know, I've talked before about how life expectancies, because of our understanding of health uh, and longevity, they should be going up, but they're going down and they're going down because people are not fulfilled. They're drinking or taking drugs. And they're committing suicide, even at really high levels when they've achieved all sorts of success. And so Jesse was, it was inspiring because he practices what he preaches and he lives it. He's run ultra marathons. He really pushes the limits when it comes to business. And he does it because of one thing. And that's what I wanted to end with. He does not negotiate with his goals. When he establishes a goal and says, this, will be done. He figures out a way come hell or high water, given anything to do it. And he wrote a book called living with a seal, which is hilarious it has some language in there, but he was so driven to experience how a Navy seal lives. And he experienced it at a race that he was at seeing how that individual handled himself in a hundred mile race, he wanted to see how that person lives. So he invited this Navy SEAL guy to live with him for 30 days. The book is hilarious because he has him do all sorts of crazy stuff. That says a lot about him and how he finds meaning and fulfillment. And I believe that it's, it's very similar to how most of us think and feel. Wired for mediocrity and average, meaning comes from discovering really who we are, what we're about, and making the biggest difference for everyone else. The quote that was used was, purpose is found at the intersection of what you're good at, what you care about, and what makes the biggest difference for others. And I believe that that is inside of all of us and we can find it. And when we do, I think that's true wealth. A lot of this other stuff, making investments, certainly a part of it, but there's some foundational things that magnify the purpose behind why we make investment decisions, why we choose this, why we choose that, why we do this, why we do that, and ultimately what the end result is. Okay. So I'll be back the next episode. Thank you guys so much. For going through this longer episode because we kind of had different segments lumped together. But the, the invitation is still open to the Unleash the Power Within the UPW event that Tony puts on. It's gonna be in San Jose. Go check out the and It has all the information to sign up. We got some awesome discounted prices. I don't benefit at all from getting these discounts. It's just based on my relationship with one of his organizations. So I hope you guys can join me there. It's gonna be awesome. I think I'm either gonna bring my daughter or my or my wife. We're still debating that, but it's going to be an incredible experience. I can't wait to meet some of those who have already signed up, but thank you guys so much for your support. Thank you for the feedback in the season so far. It's been, it's been really fun and there's still a lot more to come. We got some, uh, we got an investment conference. We have a finance conference where there's going to be like five billionaires speaking, a lot of good stuff to come. So stick with me until then. All right, guys, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Have an amazing day. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.